So we have finished the book of Exodus. And in an amazing time, we see that the tabernacle in the wilderness has been built by men and women. And think about this. We haven't been able to rebuild a menorah yet that's made in one piece, right? Now, some of you say, well, Rabbi, what about those guys at the Temple Mount Faithful? It's not one piece, and it's not gold. It's gold-plated at best, right? And they had modern-day machines and all this, and these people are out in the wilderness. They didn't have modern equipment. They didn't have buildings, you know, permanent buildings they can go into. It was the wilderness. But see, God had prepared the people. I titled this, Build It and They Will Come. Remember the, the movie that was out? Okay, it was more than a couple years ago. Probably the kids don't remember it, but who was in that movie? Field of Dreams, right? Build It and They Will Come. Who? Is it Dennis Quaid? No, I think it was um, Kevin Cosner. It was a Cosner movie. Yeah, it's okay. They do too. But right, remember, he, it was, he heard this vision, build it, and they will come, right? And that's really what we see God doing here is when we built it, not only <coughs> did we come, but he came. And that's so important to understand. You know, when you look at what was taking place during this time, first of all, how did we get these guys who were enslaved in Egypt, building pyramids, all of a sudden be skilled craftsmen? It shows us that even during the hard times, God is using that to prepare us for our future. And they were able to use their talents that they had learned under being oppressed for the good of God. It's the old saying, what man has turned for bad, God will turn to good. Sometimes we don't understand the struggles we go through until we can look back and see how it's made us and changed us and equipped us for the future. And that's really what we see take place here. It's a time of them coming together of them understanding what's going on and seeing the future. We read two weeks ago how the craftsmen had to tell Moses to tell him to stop bringing the gold. See, we learned something about this about Jewish people, and we see it even today. And not only Jewish people, but believers in general. Right, because there were Jews and Gentiles there at, at, in the wilderness. Is that we're a giving people. And we'll give and give. How many remember growing up as a kid watching Jerry Lewis telethons? Remember those? I know they stopped him, I think, a couple of years ago, a number of years ago. No, he stopped doing it. But how many of you waited to the very end to give? Right, to take them over the top. Come on. I'm not the only one. Y'all just gave along. Come on, right? 
You want to be that last one to give them the money to break the number, right? But it showed that our people were giving people. And it's, you know, it's so interesting when you look at it, there's, you know, the, the, there's only two, how many of you realize there's only two bodies of water in Israel? The Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. One gives, the other takes. They both get their water source from the same place. But one is alive and, and has, you know, all different types of animals living there and the people survive. And the other one is what? Dead. You can't even really, you know, people go and float on it, but you can't really enjoy it. How many people like going to a pool, right? You can go splash and have fun, right? Can't do that in the Dead Sea. If that water gets inside your mouth, you're in trouble. You know, they, it can actually, because you know, what happens is it gets into your body and get, it starts crystallizing. It becomes a problem because it's not alive. See, it doesn't give. All it does is take. So the question is, do you want to be the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea? Do you want to be a giver or a taker? God shows us through the tabernacle that we're to be givers. We're to bring our offerings before the Lord. We're to honor Him. We're to come into His presence. You know, as you read this week's Torah portion, it talks about how they finished all the elements, but they didn't put it together until Moses inspected it. See, it had to pass the seal of approval. Then once they put it together, God told them exactly where to put everything in his order. And then once it was all put together, the people didn't go in, did they? No. But the presence of the Lord fell upon that. He dwelled with them. Build it and he will come. We need to be that living sanctuary today. Because see, when we accept Yeshua into our heart, what does he do? He fills it with the Ruch HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. It's there to guide us and to tell us what to do. You know, man will tell us one thing, but God many times tells us another. We've got to watch what man tells us and listen to what God tells us. Because who's going to be right in the long run? God, right? No question about it. Men will tell you, oh, take the shortcut. Doesn't matter, get it done with. But God just says, come and sit. And let me show you what I can do. Let me change you and mold you. Those who left Egypt were enslaved. That's all they ever knew. They worked to build buildings. And all of a sudden, they're given a freedom and a choice to make. You can either serve God 
or serve man. Those who decided to serve man perished. Those who served God survived. Moses won't get to take him into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb will. The only two from that generation to survive. Why was that? It's because when everyone looked at the situation, they looked at the giants that were in the land. They looked at the size of the, the harvest. Took two men to carry the grapes. Which should have shown them, look at how the land is flourishing and, produ and you know, productive, right? But instead, what did, they say? what did 10 of them say? They looked and said, look at those big guys, we can't do it. But two of them said, if God is with us, who can be against us? See, a lot of what we do in our lives is mindset. If you're not succeeding, it's not the other person's fault. It's yours. It's all mindset. How we look at things. God doesn't want us to fail, does he? He wants us to succeed. And he gives us the book to read. You know, if you think about it, you know, all these successful people in the world, they write books, right? And you're supposed to read them. If you read those books, you're going to be successful too, right? No. Why not? See, it's not just enough about reading. It's about putting it into action. And we had to put God's word into action. If you're just reading it and not doing anything about it, you're going to stay right where you are. But if you get in there and start reading the Word and start understanding it, that God has a purpose and a plan and it's better than yours could ever be, as long as you're willing to get there and to listen and obey and do what He calls you to do, build it and they will come. See, if they didn't build it, he wouldn't have come, would he? It takes action to get things in motion. And we need to make sure that we're constantly moving in the Lord's will. Not in man's will, but in the Lord's will. And God's will is not the man's will. The world will tell you to do one thing that you know, makes it quick and easy, but God tells you another. And that's what we need to focus on. He built it and did everything. It says everything, they did everything according to what God's specifications were. They didn't put their own two cents in. Too many times we put our own two cents in. You know, I drove by a church in downtown Atlanta. And it had a rainbow flag on it. And I had to sit there and go, you know, if someone's homosexual, we're to love the sinner but hate the sin, right? 
But we can't just say the sin's okay. And that's what our world is starting to do. Same thing with abortion. Technically, we're all abortion uh, survivors, aren't we? But what about those unspoken babies? What about the Albert Einsteins that were never born? Or the Martin Luther Kings? Or the people in the world that could have made a difference? We're letting society control us. And that's not how it's supposed to be. It said that God entered that place. I want to be where God is. I want to follow Him. His rules are really pretty easy if you think about it. People always say, I can't keep all those rules. Which one can't you keep? Just let, throw one out that you can't keep. Now some of you can't keep a good majority of the rules because you're not a Levite. That's okay. You're not supposed to, right? That's for them. Others you're not supposed to keep because you're a woman or a man. But the ones that all of us are supposed to keep, which one can't you do? Can someone just name me one? Eat what? We don't do that? Why, you, do you do that? <laughs> I think I could live without eating a vulture. It probably tastes like chicken, so I just eat chicken, right? We don't eat vultures. So what's the big deal? Right? How many of you really said, man, you, you're driving them down the street and you see a vulture eating other things? Man, that could be some good eating right there. Come on now. I need a redneck voice here. I can't do it. Right? That possum on the side of the road, that could be roadside kill. Roadkill, let's do it, right? Barbecue that sucker, have a party. Right? Is that, you know, how many of y'all want to have that for dinner? That need be a that's right. My point is simple. God's word is easy. Read it and put it into action. How many of you have a problem with thou shall not steal? Is that a problem? Not to commit adultery, right? Here's a tough one for teenagers. I know it's tough. Honor thy mother and father. Right? Why should you do that? Because eventually you're going to be one, and you're going to want your kids to honor and respect you. Because it will come around. And that's when grandparents hand them right back to you. Right? Why is it that grandparents always give the kids candy before they enter back into your house? There's a reason for that. It's called revenge. <laughs> we have to understand God has a plan. And if we build it, they will come. He built the tabernacle. To keep them in the wilderness. 
a place for them to come and be in the presence of the Lord, to never forget the promise that he made. We see a change in the heart of the people at this point. There's going to be a difference. Because now they have a purpose and an action to go with it. And while a generation has to pass away, that next generation is going to be even greater than them. And they're going to enter that land. And they're going to take possession. And they're going to realize that they're in the presence of the Lord. And then they're going to build him a permanent sanctuary. As God instructed. And you know, once again, in, the, in, the, in our near future, we will be building the third temple. According to God's instructions. And I pray that man doesn't get in the way. Doesn't try to put their two cents in. Instead, we need to give and be ready to serve. You know what's so neat about the third temple? There is no wall of separation. Jew and Gentile will be worshiping God together. That's a major change. Our society right now is going down a slippery slope. There's a big separation happening. It's starting in politics and it's going to end up in faith. How many of you heard about a week, week and a half ago that the Methodist Church had a big election and they voted against same-sex marriage? You all hear about that? That sounds really good, right? Do you know the only reason why it passed? Because if it was just the churches in the United States voting, it would have failed. But the churches from Africa and other countries where they had gone to share the good news, they stood true to the Word of God. And they said no. We can't forget where we came from. We can't sit there and try to appease man to appease the world. If you're a sinner, you're welcome here. We're going to love you for who you are, but we're not going to love your sin. And we're going to pray with you and for you that you'll be able to break that, whatever it is. Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us came here perfect, right? Maybe Whitley, but that was about it. So you thought I was going to pick on you after a while. Right? None of us came here perfect, right? Kim, were you close? Close, right? But missed it by, you know, missed it by that much, but you still missed it, right? None of us are perfect. We all have sin. But we all have forgiveness and our Messiah who takes away our sins. But we can't get it unless he fills our spirit. He fills our heart. Accept him and he will come. He will live inside of you.
just like he did at the temple. They lived with him and gave him that support. And that says a lot. When God asks you to do something, do it his way, do it exactly as he says, and don't add anything to it. God doesn't want your two cents. He said, Moses, now that you built it, do it this, 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 and this. Moses didn't go, you don't hear anywhere in the scripture that Moses said, I really think that the uh, menorah should be on the right side, not the left side. What's the color of the carpet? You know why there's a second Baptist church in almost every city? Never a third Baptist church, right? I'll tell you, you go into those two Baptist churches, and you will notice one thing that's different. What is it? Carpet color. Right? Why do they have splits over the color of the carpet? They get so tied up in the little things that they forget about the big picture. You know, it's scary when you go into towns and you go down the street and every other building is a church, right, on the street. Why do we need so many different places to worship? They're all worshiping the same God, aren't they? They all have the same Bible for the most part, right? Unless you're a Jehovah Witness or Seventh-day Adventist. Or Catholic, right? They got a couple extra ones. They got a couple extra books, right? Why do we have to have so many different places to worship? Why should we, we should have one place. Everyone should be able to come together and worship, right? Because it's one word. But see, man put his two cents in. So now we have to have a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, uh, what, uh, a, holy, a holiness church, a Baptist church, right? A non-denominational, which is a denomination, right? <laughs> Can't forget the Spirit-filled, the Word of Faith church, right? In the beginning, there was one kind of congregation, right? It was Messianic. If they had just stuck with us, they'd be all set. Right? We need to stick with the Word of God. We've taken the Word and put our two cents in. And God just said, build it, and I will be there with you. And I will teach you and guide you. He gave them a place that they could see and understand. And he'll take them through the wilderness and bring them into the promised land. The promise that he made to Abraham all those generations ago. So are you ready for the journey? If you're thinking, well, I want to make a couple of changes first. I need some new sandals. Right? Even the sandals didn't wear out. Could you imagine wearing the same pair of shoes, ladies? I'm talking to y'all. The same pair of shoes for 40 years without new ones. Only one pair. You only got one pair, too. You didn't have a whole closet full. That's a different story. That's a different story. No help from the uh, from the women. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they're, re they're rebelling against me. <laughs> These are nice boots. 
<laughs> right? Could you imagine having to live that way? But what did it do? God provided. And God will provide for us. He will get us through the tough times. And bring us and prepare us for what he wants us to do. Some of you are going to be the skilled laborers. Others of you are going to be the ones to give the materials so they can build it. But build it and he will come. I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Abba Father, we just come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to watch you build and to help you build your sanctuary. And Lord, as we see you fill our presence as believers, we ask you to continue to fill our hearts with your Kodesh, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, give us the burning desire to do your will, to go against man. And Lord, we can't do it without your son, Yeshua. He is not only our Messiah. He's what dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. He is your living word. He is the word that has become flesh. Lord we, Lord, we thank you for the blessings you've given us. And I want to ask everyone right now with every eye closed, every head bowed, those watching online, if you don't know Yeshua as your Messiah, and you want to be that, have that spirit filled inside of you, all you got to do is ask him into your life. Accept him as King of kings and Lord of lords over your life so that he may build his sanctuary inside of you. If you watch online, wherever you are around the world, you see the information we have on the screen, you can contact us and we'll pray with you that prayer of salvation. But if you're here right now and you're ready to say yes to him, all you need to do is raise your hand and say a simple prayer. Is there anyone? Anyone at all? And Abba Father, as we come before you now, Lord, fill our temples, our living temples, with your Spirit. Dwell inside of us, and let your Spirit dwell from within us. For we ask this in your Son Yeshua's precious name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen.